0: All right, this is Dark Days Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and joining me today, we got a legend, Richard Newby, RBK of the Full Metal RPG podcast, and also a Johnny Silverhand's stunt double. How's it going, sir? How's it going?
1: Going pretty well. Uh, I uh, I did that bit, and I didn't wasn't sure anybody was actually going to see it. So uh, I'm glad that somebody saw it. <laughs>
0: Oh, I was I was incredibly impressed you really you had the you know the lighting you know the blue and the uh the kind of purplish glow so for for people that don't know I haven't checked it out uh for the last episodes of season three of the Full Metal RPG podcast RBK here dressed up as Johnny Silverhands it was a Halloween episode right so you had yeah, the lighting yeah. you had the sunglasses you had the silver arm you had everything
1: yeah we we uh, recorded that live on the internet on Halloween and of course it gets pushed the internet after that so it's sort of sort of weird lag but yeah no i i love uh photography and and videography and i have multiple lights and gels so i can make things look kind of weird and artistic and i love cyberpunk that's my genre Uh, i love i love that i've got now the nickname and the uh, reputation of richie buzzkill so that's a very cyberpunk name to me so i really enjoy that so
0: it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a great name. And uh, for this episode today, we're not covering Cyberpunk, but we are covering Hunt of the Reckoning 5th Edition, which was announced back in October. And this is, is going to be a tough one to cover. There's a lot of divisive opinions, a lot of uh, interesting takes, and I knew I would need somebody that uh, isn't going to gonna isn't gonna pull any punches when it comes to uh, this new Hunt of the Reckoning and the past Hunt of the Reckoning as well. So that's why uh, we got you here tonight, RBK.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited to talk about this. This I remember this from back in the day, and uh, I'm very interested to see where they go with this. So,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Now, RBK, is there any gaming news you'd like to cover before we jump into this main topic of Hunt of the Reckoning?
1: For a moment, I want to talk a little bit about the Kickstarter disintegration, the the uh, the the we call it the blockchain Kickstarter. Oh right, yes, because <laughs> that to me is the biggest news in like the gaming industry. There hasn't been like a whole lot of announcements of cool or interesting games lately. Because everybody's kind of like in hibernation or trying to deal with logistic issues. But right. the the idea that Kickstarter will now let you run your own Kickstarter seed, but they're still running the back end. That's just a it's, a, it's a weird concept. And the backlash happened almost immediately.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. When they When they mentioned that it was going to be run off of blockchains, I mean, that definitely... Uh, uh, upset a lot of people, right? But this kind of just indicates the uh, the tactics that Kickstarter has used for quite some time, where they just want to have as little exposure and as little legal liability for these Kickstarters as possible, right? You know, putting in the kind of like joke, you know, lessons learned or uh, risks at the bottom of their uh, Kickstarter pages, which Luke Crane always, who's an employee, used to be an employee of Kickstarter, would always not take very seriously, for example, you know the, uh, the legal indications that they have no liability if things aren't delivered and the like it, it's really been an ongoing strategy for them, and I think this uh, this kind of blockchain i don 't know how you want to put it like you know, distributing out everything to everyone else to do the work essentially is uh, is just kind of kind of you know concerning and, uh, and unfortunate
1: well they def- they're definitely going to um push the work to everybody else because most of the people, including our good friend Alan Barr at Glaunt Night Games, are starting their own crowdfunding sites. <laughs> They're independent. <laughs> yep. Of yep. Kickstarter. And this is something I've kind of wanted for a long time because like I feel like Kickstarter is kind of a little bit overwrought at this point. They you know, yes it's for advertising, but it also feels like do we really
0: need this site? It seems to me, from the from the RPG biz, all the advertising is really from word of mouth. Like, how much, what percentage of sales are just people scrolling through Kickstarter and finding a game they like? Maybe that happened back in, like, 2010, 2012. But in 2022, I don't think it's that much. You know, it's really the Twitterverse that's doing all the hard work. So that uh, 10% cut that Kickstarter takes, not sure if it's really worth it. So I definitely respect that. Uh, you know, Gallant Night Games and um, I know By Night Studios has run has used Kickstarter, but also has kind of run their own Kickstarters as well. You know, I think that's uh, that's a good strategy to take, especially because a lot of the infrastructure is already there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just need a store that has ability to count how many people are pre-ordering a thing to make if don't they don't come along, then you don't publish it. Like. Yep. You you need enough uh uh advertising momentum to get that number of people, but you kinda like shape that number to make it so it's easy to get, right? You kinda know your audience right. and um yeah, I mean I used to when I was hardcore into Kickstarter and when uh you know the old the old full metal RPG crew were around and every episode was like another Kickstarter that I had to like back immediately like it felt like that time period of like 2015 to 2018 you know like everything was all you know chugging along i used to surf kickstarter but now i don't want to even look at the damn site so <laughs> Oof.
0: brutal brutal that's the uh, kind of hot takes we expect from the rbk so i think that covers the news right there and uh why don't we move on to the main topic of the show So let's talk a little bit about Hunt of the Reckoning. So, you know, we had this announcement, which we're going to dive into in a little bit, but for any new listeners out there or people that want a refresher, I just wanted to talk about what Hunt of the Reckoning used to be. Uh, You know, back when it originally came out, which was in 1999 and then was published until 2004. So Hunt of the Reckoning was a game about individual mortals in the world of darkness that were contacted by the messengers. And then they were given the second sight which enabled them to see supernatural monsters and magic around them. So, you know, these individuals could just walk into a diner, let's say, or maybe, oh no, they walked into like a stick-up, but then they get this, this kind of calling from the messengers, and they would, uh, through the second sight, see that, oh, that guy over there, that's actually a werewolf. It's a werewolf doing the stick-up, for example. You know, that's, that's kind of a, a, a trite example, but, you know, that's, that's sort of the setup for this imbuing of, of these mortal beings. And to aid them in their interaction with the supernatural world, hunters, uh, who again are called the imbued, uh, were granted edges, which are powers from the messengers that gave them tools to deal with the monsters that they were now facing. And it's actually very notable that these edges do not commonly affect mortals or the other imbued. Um, which I think is one of the things that really sets them apart from the uh, the actual monsters around them. They're not really set up to affect regular people, regular mortals. Uh, they really are just geared to beyond this uh, this hunt, if you will. And Hunter's story was very heavily fiction driven. The source books were about 75% fiction, with this metaplot that was unfolding through short stories and actually message board posts on the so-called HunterNet, which is a name that has uh, not really not really stood up to the uh, you know, the test of time. This metaplot explored humans who suddenly gained these powers, but only if they, of course, had the will to act. Uh, and they had to find the other imbued and determine really what their mission was, what they needed to do in the world of darkness because the messengers really didn't give them much to work with. They would give, like, one-word phrases uh, and that sort of thing. You know, you might just see a sign or hear a voice, that sort of thing. It's kind of like, uh, it's a little bit inspired by They Live, RBK, you know, if you're familiar with that 80s film.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, that's, I I pretend to put my sunglasses on, but it's really just because I've I've seen through the world already. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. So you know, some of these imbued sought to hunt the monsters, but others um, would actually try to study or even aid these creatures, um, which is actually a really stark contrast to the uh, name of the game, Hunter. Um, You know, some of these characters, like the uh, the Innocent Creed, they're more like social workers for for individual supernatural creatures in in a way. But uh, I guess social work, the reckoning when. Wouldn't sell a lot of copies, would it?
1: Well, I mean, to a certain set, I think there would be there would be people that would want that, but I I don't think it's quite the the same vibe that the rest of the world of darkness really gets to. So.
0: No, no, definitely not. Um, but ultimately, Old Hunt of the Reckoning was about the fractious nature of mankind. You know, when you look at these short stories at these message board posts, these imbued live very stressful lives. You know, a lot of them, they're just blue collar workers juggling that job, they've got a family, and then they've got this secret, you know, preternatural life. And it doesn't take long for that house of cards to just collapse. And their only compatriots are other imbued, you know, individuals that are also sliding into this kind of traumatic stress. Uh, at the same time, and this creates a lot of ideological schisms between the imbued creeds, um, which leads to these cells splitting apart. Um, and in that case, if you're just alone imbued, you know, good luck, because the hunter is probably going to become the prey. Now, we didn't hear anything about uh, hunter from two thousand four to really twenty twenty one. Onyx Path never got a license to do a 20th. And the Storyteller Vault guidance for Hunter was pretty much the same, except they included a couple bullet points that the imbued were now fighting organized crime.
1: What a bizarre just, choice.
0: It's a it's a really weird choice. They're like, yeah, supposed to be fighting organized crime, you know, corrupt politicians and stuff. And it seemed like they were almost kind I mean, of like, like taking pun- taking some of the, uh, the plot points from Werewolf in, in a way. Um, it was like
1: Punisher, Punisher the the <laughs> yeah Punisher the role playing game yeah right? well I mean, it's they're like... gonna
0: monkey wrench Pentex right so like that's that's a little bit of a strange it's it's a pretty a-thematic choice as well because again their powers traditionally don't usually affect other humans uh, so they're literally just yeah they're just the Punisher you're right yeah you're spot on RVK.
1: I mean, that's kind of what I wanted from Hunter originally was like mortals fighting the darkness, right? But, you know, you have to have some sort of supernatural angle, at least originally. And then they decide, oh, wait, you are superpowered, but you're also fighting organized crime, but your superpowers don't really work, except for like the vampire head of the mafia, you know? Like...
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange choice. It's a strange choice. But anyway, that's in the past, RBK, because now in late 2021 we got the Hunter fifth edition announcement, which is shocking, right? Because we were all sitting here waiting for Werewolf, which they did. It's been just on. completely
1: out of nowhere. Like what yeah. what wh- why would you pick Hunter? Like is is it the one game you could think of that you could actually publish quickly I, in this day and age that didn't have a whole lot of social issues I think that's
0: the case <laughs> RBK. um you know Hunter was the sixth or maybe seventh World of Darkness game to come out it depends on if you count kindred of the east in that in that list um but and, and Werewolf is usually the second and we've known they've been working on Werewolf um I mean they were talking about it Prior to Vampire coming out, you know, given hints. And we know that they gave out a license to not Renegade, but that um, the guys who do kids on bikes, who are a subsidiary of Renegade. I can't remember the name right now. Um, But I assume assume the license is with Renegade now. Um, But they've been working on it. You know, they've announced writers, they've done like a couple interviews, but it's not done and it's still in development. It's not done. And then boom, out of nowhere, yeah. Hunter Manuscript is apparently complete. They're working on getting the art together, they're doing editing, and it seems like that's going to be game number two.
1: That's such a bizarre choice because it, was, it wasn't a very long-lived game in the first place. And, you know, they did, didn't Onyx Path do their own Hunter game? Yeah, no,
0: they released a Vampire Hunters Hunted Two supplement. Now, Hunters Hunted Two is different than Hunter the Reckoning. It's uh, I it's see. about the mortal organizations that are you know very long lived. Um, you know whether it be the Arcanum with their uh you know studying the supernatural, the Society of Leopold who are kind of the Inquisition hunting vampires, or the FBI and other government agencies. Um, that's really what it covered. So it didn't have any of the imbued in it. The imbued have been uh, conspicuously absent from all of the Angs Path work thus far.
1: Yeah, see that that's sort of interesting because Vampire Fifth really uh, sets up the Second Inquisition as the the big bad, right? As the as like the your and mortal antagonist. Like you know, there's so many cameras and everything else that vampires are discovered and you know there's all these organizations in government and higher places that are hunting down vampires why not do that game instead of hunter the reckoning
0: (laughs) i think they kind of have done that game uh let's let's dig into this um and see what the article actually said and as well there was a um there was a brief, uh, I think it was a Twitch stream that Outstar and Justin Achille did, which also filled in some of the blanks as well. We'll kind of, kind of spritzle that in. So this is the, this is the announcement uh, that we were given. And I think the main philosophical question that we want to answer here, RBK, is, is this game that they've announced still Hunt of the Reckoning?
1: Very good question.
0: Yeah. So according to this article, Hunt of the Reckoning 5th edition will be about hunters. There's no no mention of the Messengers, no mention of the Imbued, no mention of the Second Sight. And Justin Achille also confirmed that they are not going to bring forward the idea and the story of the Imbued into 5th edition. So those guys are gone. That's it. Finito. And so
1: yeah, it's not really Hunter the Reckoning. So, yeah, the
0: plot is just thrown out the window. So now we're like, okay, is this Hunter the Reckoning or is this just Hunters Hunted with the you know Hunter the Reckoning name, for example? Well let's let's keep reading here. So these hunters are going to form small cells that target the supernatural. And the article, this is an interesting word choice. The article compares these hunter-cells to startups. Which, yeah, not sure. We can dig into that a little bit later as well as we keep going through yeah. here. These hunters, uh, however, are divided up into creeds. Again, similar to the uh, ideological divisions that we saw in Hunt of the Reckoning from the, uh, the 2000s. And these hunters still have edges. Now, the article is very sparse in details, but... Uh, Justin kind of confirmed that these edges can range from being supernatural to um, just just kind of like you know uh, more mundane uh, tricks that these uh, these hunters have. So it seems like they're going to be a lot more uh, similar to the uh, Hunter the Vigil endowments from that game from uh, from Chronicles of Darkness.
1: But... Yeah, it sounds like they're, you're going to have you're going to be able to play Zatanna or Batman. So, yeah, because you'll have the edge of having lots of money or you'll be able to do magic or something.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, it seems we don't really know all the details, but it seems like there's going to be some range or options with these edges. Now, uh, if you want to be, just be just be a blue collar guy with a pipe that uh, has some street smarts and some wits about them for making traps, let's say, or ways to uh, kind of keep the uh, the supernatural at bay or, yeah, to be much more. Overt and, and superpowered, but again, it's all a bit vague at the moment. And these, very vague, yeah. These hunters will have some other mechanics. For example, they're going to have drive, which sounds a bit similar to the old conviction. It's really the um, the kind of impetus and mission that they're on to to face the supernatural threats. And in addition to that, they will also have desperation. We don't know how these mechanics are going to work. But it sounds like desperation is going to be that kind of a risk mechanic, the risk management that you have to go through with your character, um, which will kind of ramp up and cause tension releases throughout the game. You know, similar to say hunger dice in Vampire Fifth Edition. You know, that kind of that kind of you know death spiral design paradigm that they've included.
1: Yeah, because that's what I was hoping is is because the hunger dice is such a good mechanic that you have something the equivalent in here that makes it, like, you're still, you can still be highly skilled, but still, like, have consequences.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's what we're hoping for a lot of these games. You know, it makes sense to have Rage Dice in Werewolf, um, Paradox Dice in Mage, for example. And, you know, that would be, that'd be really cool. And having, having this kind of desperation in Hunter, I think is a good choice. Yeah, I definitely, definitely concur with that. Um, and we'll see how it works out. And the article is also quick to highlight that these hunters are not the same ones that you find in the Second Inquisition, in the FBI's Special Affairs Division, or in the Arcanum. You're going to be playing independent and driven operators, um, whereas those antagonist hunters for the other games are, they're more like schmoes taking orders. Um, and actually calls them ethically compromised organizations, which I think is actually that's a that's a cool take right there. Um, you know, saying that these old monolithic organizations, you know, they've been here for so long, but they really haven't made that much of a dent in uh, maybe the Second Inquisition recently. But um, you know, most of them are are not not really that effective, uh, which is where your little startup cells kind of exist and uh, and be more aggressive. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the 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 idea that okay, so there's these giant organizations that have all this wealth and power, are corrupt and incompetent, and then all these older organizations haven't really been able to do things for do you know much for the last couple hundred years, and then we're going to come along and we're going to revolutionize hunting the, the 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 supernatural with our little tiny group of people that. <coughs> That seems like uh, it could be a metaphor for some industry or another, but I don't know for, or the world, but I don't know how well that's really going to work out.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure where they're going with this allegory. You know, I know a lot of startups, uh, which quite famously recently are also ethically compromised. So uh,
1: from the start, I don't know if that's just... really
0: going to yeah hold up to scrutiny, um, but uh, again, this is just an initial article. They might just change things. They might they might tone down that angle a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, and the article is also uh, it brings up that you might hunt traditional world of darkness monsters like vampires, werewolves, etc. But maybe you'll be hunting more uh, unique things like cryptids or unknown unknown monsters that you can't really explain. Uh, and this is similar to the angle that Chronicles of Darkness took with its Mortals game, and also Hunter: The Vigil as well. Um, and I think this is a good idea because when you look at old Hunter: The Reckoning, it always had issues kind of balancing the mystery uh, of this world that your hunters were exploring with the literally hundreds of books of World of Darkness canon. Um, you know, you could always have somebody at the table who would just start postulating, like, "Oh, that guy we met." Obviously, he was a vampire, but, like, what clan is he? Uh, maybe he was part of, like, uh, he was a Zimitsi. Maybe he was part of the Nagaraja bloodline. And, you know, having that kind of, like, uh, in-game, or, sorry, out-of-game knowledge, really, could affect the in-game experience. So, uh, you know, I think adding more mystery is uh, definitely a good tactic. And uh, I know that's something that Justin Achille really pushed for, uh, as well as others, with uh, the the initial... Chronicles of Darkness, uh, launch in 2004, so I think they'll be very successful with that.
1: Yeah, I, I think it makes the the pool of the World of Darkness larger and more interesting, that there aren't just these, like, very strict, like, s- spheres of influence, that there there's this, like, grime all over the place, and some of it kind of comes to life in a different, interesting way that doesn't, you know, doesn't have, like, you know, other splat books going along with it
0: <laughs> right yeah that's a good that's a good image right there that's the, the grime coming to life i like it i like it now speaking of grime uh rbk let's talk about art a little bit um oh yes because, let's
1: please talk about so art. i mean
0: do you remember with with old hunter there was a lot of uh a lot of consternation about the art in the core book you know, it was, uh, it was pretty inconsistent, and you know, people thought it was very ultra-violent. Um, that was, that was a, a common criticism that was levied at, at Hunter back in the day. And then, of course, we, get, we need to say that the source books really changed things and made it much more low-down, down-to-earth uh, uh, artwork and presentation, which matched the fiction and game design a lot better. Um, so, keeping that in mind, that there has been criticism of the art in the past, how do you feel about the art here in uh, in this article, the three pieces that we got, yeah, maybe starting off with the van picture?
1: Yeah. So, well, I just want to mention the first picture, the, the like, top picture. Oh, right. Four I, pieces. I, yeah, I re- yeah, I really love this, like, neon orange, you know, that's the color of the old book, with this uh, man looking, like, above you and in a leather jacket uh that's a banging piece like i love that piece yeah uh you know that's really great and then we 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 go through a paragraph or two and then we get to a 70s van that's or something i it this is this piece is just so co- disconcertingly like what is going on in this picture like okay so we've got a van with a kind of mountain scene on it that's been painted on the side. And then there's a wolf with a moon behind it. And then there's an orange circle around the wolf. And then some kind of, like, orange kind of, like, uh, that kind of splattered over the front of the van. Maybe that's blood. Maybe that's something else. Mm, yep. But they're just, like, looking at this van. Now, the the orange circle doesn't even stay on the van. So right. I'm not even certain... <laughs> what is going on in this picture yeah
0: uh so i think i think rbk uh the artist was drinking some tea and then that's just the uh the, the tea ring the from ring. The, of the mug left on the artwork, and then
1: just turned it orange no, I, even though it was probably clearly made on a in photoshop yeah
0: yeah <laughs> no, i'm just i'm just joking i want to i don't want to bag on it too much but it's it's just it's a perplexing piece of artwork um it does tell a story, but I'm just not sure what story it's really telling. Is this an investigation yeah, like, an aftermath of a battle? Um, seems like one dude's just kind of arguing. So there's not much tension in the photo or in the uh, in the image. but strange,
1: yeah. it's a little strange. It's a little nebulous. it, it it's like it's a lower. <laughs> It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you know more context. And then that that's really not how you want, like, the banging photos that are going to sell your relaunch. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so we start off with a strong photo up, up top. Van's a little weird. Uh, sorry, not photo. Artwork. Image.
1: Well, let's talk about the werewolf, though. Dude. I, I feel like this is taunting people. I feel like... With the <laughs> fact that they're not getting a werewolf game for probably another three years, if I had to guess, because they're probably going to rewrite it completely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But like, this is actually a pretty great werewolf. Except it's just kind of like, why? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, they wanted to put a monster in. I wonder if this is, this is a cynical, of course. I wonder if they just took a piece of werewolf art and they just put some orange on it. They're like, all right, good. We got another piece. It's a baller werewolf. Like, look at that, dude. Menacing, yeah. taunting me.
1: Oof. Yeah, it's like, oh shit, it's looking at me. I better run. Like, I, it's a great werewolf. But why? Why are we showing a werewolf here? And I assumed that, like, the World of Darkness was not i mean i love that this is black and white with just a, some spot colors i'd prefer it if it was just black and white cuz i think the old world of darkness all being in black and white and to a certain point was really very evocative it had this kind of like everything is this like shades of gray and very dark dark blacks and very white whites right really gave it an evocative feel and that's what we get with this photo with this this piece of art but it's a hunter's game, so where's, where's, where's the, the hunter? hunter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good
0: point, good point. So, I mean, RBK, you've you've seen some Chronicles of Darkness books, and you know that they have it's black and white, and then accentuated with one color as well, and that's the exact art direction we have here. It seems like so. That's just another yeah. thing that kind of borrowed, let's say, from the uh, Chronicles of Darkness design.
1: Yeah, I think I think they're they're. Um taking the 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 legacy of onyx path and kind of using it a little bit to try and get yeah. back because vampire fifth was roundly criticized now i don't agree with this criticism that the art was bad in vampire fifth and i think it was an interesting choice i think it was trying to push it in a different direction i think there was some really cool you know this photograph photographic surrealism happening. I don't think they pushed it far enough, but I think it was a much more interesting choice than you would get. But they had, I think they were just spending all the money.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they definitely used a lot on the uh, on the models and stuff that you see in uh, in V5. Um, you know, it's interesting, when you take a look at that uh, that art direction, it has continued into future books for, um, for V5. You know, when you look at the Onyx Pathwork, again, you know, they have a lot of the uh, photorealism. You know, they've got artists like Mark Kelly and uh, Christopher Shai that are really, really doing some very interesting artwork in that same vein. And I think what they do better than the V5 core book did was having that uh, that kind of consistency in the artwork. You know, uh, we look at V5 core book, it's it's really all over the place You get some video game artwork then you have some models then you'll have some recycled artwork um or or just some photography that that martin did you know on the streets of stockholm and individually a lot of it's great but it's very uh scattered in yeah in it's, it's not style. as cohesive
1: right it's not as cohesive as as the old like second edition you know vampire the masquerade and so the heyday of White Wolf art in the 90s, I think, it's, that was very, even though you had all these other, this disparate artist, they all kind of had a very similar art direction. Right. And, and I guarantee you that top image on this page is a Mark Kelly. That looks like a Mark Kelly.
0: Yeah, it does. You're
1: um, right. And then these other ones, I don't know who these other ones are. Like, we get to the next image on this page, and it, we have a a hunter oh. she, uh she she is in a wheelchair uh it's you know it's spot colors like it she's got dog tags so maybe she was a she's a veteran of one of the the wars but there's just this like mechanical inconsistency that drives my mechanical brain nuts mm. where like it's like She's looking off to the side and the wheels going this way, but it doesn't look like she's going to be able to go very far very quickly because her wheelchair wheels are like turned to the side. And like the 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 AR she's holding with a long barrel is like tucked underneath her like in her side yeah. like it's not even like in a position where she it's, can like it's
0: pull it out and like in fire it quickly jammed in your kidney
1: <laughs> yeah. if it could even physically go there yeah. like i get there's this, this impressionistic ink blot thing going on here but it's just like did did no one think of like hey i get you may have used some clip art to like or stock art to like draw over but like maybe like pull the gun up a little bit so you're ready to like lower it and fire like
0: i think it's fine i think i think it serves its purpose and gets its point across and actually as well rbk more than any of the other artwork that they've displayed here this one really tells us a story doesn't it
1: yeah yeah it, it it tells us that you know she is like actually doing something yep. like there's there's like tension off screen clearly there's something to the right she, from the our point of view something's to the right that like she's like getting ready to go that way like there's a movement to it i mean i just
0: you know you can see she's I, I experienced
1: think, Yeah. she's, she's experienced she
0: is a soldier or was a soldier uh and there's there's a lot going on in this in this image, and that's why I think there's so much like so much mixed tension uh, about this one from me, from me at least. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because you know, having having played Hunt of the Reckoning in the past and having read way too much of the fiction, I do know that there's a uh, there was a similar character um, who who ended up in a wheelchair in the story uh and it was you know something that happened to him on the hunt. You know he was an innocent who was was trying to help a vampire, and uh eventually she tore his legs off. So you can have i'm just I'm just kind of bringing that up to to illustrate that um you know this is this is something that's that's you know come up in the past. uh and I just feel like uh it's interesting to see how it's changed now with this with this new edition and kind of ramped up in some ways.
1: Yeah, and and um you're definitely right and I'm working on season 4 full metal rpg we... in the background. I'm I'm working on it. It's coming soon. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys are just
0: taking a vacation. It's cool.
1: Exactly. The world is hard and we need a rest. Um but uh yes, I think a an interesting conversation about ableism in role-playing games is uh long overdue. Uh we need to talk about I mean we we talk all the time about racism and sexism, but we don't really talk about ableism as much as we should. And you know the classic world of darkness, edges and flaws. You know, there there's there's a whole lot there. There's just oh
0: yeah. (laughs) Exactly. That's that's what I was thinking about. The flaw system is highly ableist. But there if if everyone is okay with it at your table, you can explore those things and and tackle them and, and really discuss the issues. However, I understand these are also games and people want to have fun. And, you know, it can be a form of escapism and then people don't want to deal with that. And that is a okay. Um right. I definitely want more people to to enjoy World of Darkness games and, and horror role playing. Um and you know, maybe using, like, a um a consent form or the like is a, is a good way to kind of set those those boundaries ahead of time uh, for your group. Because um, there's nothing worse than you, like, having an agreement with your storyteller. You guys are both on the same page, but then someone, a player, is a problem at the table then. So it's really good to uh, discuss all of that ahead of time.
1: Yeah. Safety tools are important, kids. Yep. Everybody should look into safety tools. Yep. Like... X card consent forms, all that stuff to try and come up with a way everybody everybody can play. And that's the most important thing.
0: RBK, here's a real sad story from PAX Unplugged last month. All right. Someone was doing a uh I think a I think it was Nick from uh from Gehenna Gaming was doing a panel about like horror gaming and then they of course started to talk about safety tools. And the second that came up, three people walked out of the room. Not like a group together. Just three individuals were like, nope, I'm out of here. It's kind of just sad that people yep. haven't gotten that memo yet. And uh, listen, you know, not every group needs them if you all know each other. Um, but it's good to have just in case, especially if you're with people that you don't usually play with. It's uh, it's just a great way to, to make sure there aren't any hurt feelings or tension at the table. You know, you can just use the X card or say like, hey, wait, let's just talk about this. Resolve it, well, and then just keep gaming from there.
1: I would say even if you um, even if you know everybody at the table, it's still good to check in before the game. Because I'll, I'll tell you another sad story. Uh, our my family pet passed away this last fall. Ah, oh, sorry. And and we, you know, it, she she's been suffering for a while, and she passed away. So uh, then next Friday. When we were playing, like there was kind of a mention of, you know, a, a pet getting, you know, off uh, kind of off screen. And I I felt a little twinge, but like it was mostly OK, but it was something that I should have maybe mentioned before the game is like, hey, guys, can we not tonight with it th- this right? I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling this like, yeah. B- but the point of the story is not me is the point of the story is maybe even if you know, somebody just check in before the game, like, Hey, what should we do? And I understand that there are people that, you know, feel like they're invincible, but until they go through something, they don't quite understand it. And I think it's up to e- people that are well informed, like your fine audience, uh, to make sure that, uh, everybody is, uh, you know, taken care of.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. Great point, RBK. But let's get back to Hunt of the Reckoning. So, <laughs> yeah, we went basically. off on a, a real <laughs> tangent there, um, and I think that's that was really because, you know, this is something that you know we're concerned about, and want to talk about, but uh, we don't. I don't personally have like the knowledge or expertise to really like give you the deep dive and really explain things fully. So. Um, That's why we were kind of dancing around the point uh, a little bit uh, during that little discussion. But with Hunter the Reckoning, we've kind of gone through what we have here. There was also, I mentioned, like a Twitch discussion between Outstar and uh, Justin Achille, uh, which people can check out for for more info. But uh, RBK, with everything you've seen, everything you know thus far, is this still Hunter the Reckoning?
1: I I think my my it's a, it's not a 100% answer, but it's like an 80% like, no, this is a different game with the same name on it because they own it. They're going to use it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because while I prefer a mortals with guns, kind of like fighting the darkness or, you know, a full mortal game, uh, this, you know, Hunter the Reckoning was about kind of like there was some kind of. Power directing these and helping them out, and giving them uh, the imbued and the second sight and the messengers and all that. There was something going on in the background. This sort of lacks that, so yeah. you don't have this overarching meta plot from the original thing. Yeah, and that means to me that it's not correct. But we don't know, so
0: there could be something. They could put something, pull something out of the hat at this point. I mean, what have they really kept from Hunt of the Reckoning? There's the name Edges, which are not the same Edges we remember, and Creed's. I assume the Creed's will probably be pretty similar to the ones that they had in, in Hunt of the Reckoning, but we don't know. They haven't mentioned any Creed by name, so it could could be completely redesigned. You know, that really could be it, just those two mechanical names and also the title, Hunt of the Reckoning, are the only things that are left here. Perhaps the concept of, you know, the fractious nature between the creeds would be there. That kind of makes sense. Um, And that was a a big part of of Hunt of the Reckoning. However, when I look at this, I'm kind of left just wondering, like, what separates this from other, you know, mortals with guns shooting monsters games, you know? What separates this from Beyond the Supernatural, from, from Palladium? What separates it from dark conspiracy other than dark Conspiracy's crazy crazy like future thing that's got going on
1: conspiracy x and all these other like x files uh hunter games that are they're out there and i don't know other than maybe some of the mechanics that you know we're talking about like the the uh drive and 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 other dice that are adding like that's really the selling point mechanically but I think it's a nostalgia play. <laughs> As I say, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And uh, this may be, like, because they can't go to the bigger nostalgia drugs. Like, I can understand skipping Werewolf, but why couldn't you have gone to Mage instead?
0: Yeah, well, Mage is a tough one right there. You know, that's...
1: Mage is a tough one, but I think it's easier to do than Werewolf. <laughs> yeah,
0: it probably, probably is. I mean, Hunter makes... Some sense, you know, it's pretty simple to make a mortals with guns shooting monsters game, right? And there are also three video games you may remember in the early two thousands. Yep. Oh, yeah. So they're leveraging that for whatever nostalgia there is. uh man, I mean, werewolves just Werewolf's the problem, man. They really painted themselves into a corner with the uh, the two werewolf games that already came out, right? You know, they've got uh, the one werewolf game where you have the uh, Fiana drinking whiskey to regain health. That was, a, that was a poor design choice right there. <laughs> and um, I haven't played uh, Heart of the Forest, but I've heard, I've heard good things. You know, it's a cool little story. But again, I think it uses all the uh, main tribe and um, auspice tropes from World of the Apocalypse. So they're in more trouble there if they need to do a full redesign because uh, they've already established certain things with recent video games. And they you know they can they well, can take the bullet. They can say, "All right, you know what? We are just going to scrap. We're getting rid of Fiana, we're getting rid of you know the the weirdness of like the Wendigo and um, the problems I with think... the the stargazers, for example."
1: Well, the problem with the entirety of like kind of co-opting uh native indigenous cultures into Mm. this like shape-shifting i mean that whole whole thing like i think you to me i mean they sort of decided they were going to take the bullet and you know move to renegade right and their subsidiary to write you know to get the stuff going like i feel like you just say look this is so poisoned and and uh hot too hot to use anymore uh Let's we're going to start over again with a new meta and we're going to I don't know how you do it, because (laughs) personally, I think werewolf werewolves should be a a force of nature that you dealing with, you know, once you get past like a certain point, like it's a monster that's supposed to like run around and kill everything like that's every werewolf movie. Except for you know, like those movies where you're dealing with the transformation, right? Yeah. The, the initial change
0: before they become a, a force of nature. Yeah. And so this is completely right. aside, but we were talking a while back after watching some *Forever Night*. That uh, I think I think the werewolf game that you would really like RBK, would be like a reskinned version of the Alien RPG. Is that the werewolf game you want?
1: Yeah, I think that's the werewolf game I want. Be a I think good I werewolf think game. the werewolf as the as the central protagonist or antagonist is much more interesting and then you have I mean you could have done hunter hunter the werewolf, right? Where you reskinned alien. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then you're you're just a bunch of schmoes and then the werewolf comes around and to me that's I mean, and I understand there are people that are really attached to the idea of of the change and, and the, the eco message of the original. I mean, I think that's the part you could maybe pull forward is the kind of like mother Gaia. But then there's like, there's still this like cultural appropriation part of this. That's sort of hard to, you know, right. Hard to use. So I think
0: they, uh, you know, White Wolf and now Onyx Path did a great job with, uh, where both forsaken really erasing all of the, uh, not erasing, but you know, you know, separating it from those kind of you know indigenous cultures and uh, making it more about the spirit world, those interactions. I mean, obviously there's a lot of harkening back to animism in that game, but uh, you know, making the tribes based around what they hunt and how they uh, kind of have this gameplay cycle of you know maintaining the territory, uh, I think works pretty well. So you know, there's a way to do it. They just might need to really take the scalpel to the game, and I think that's why we haven't seen it yet. It's just that it's such a such a problem, and needs just so many so many sensitivity readers for that game. You know, from a, a plethora of different different cultures. So we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe we'll get Mage before uh, Werewolf fifth we'll see we'll see but uh i think we kind of answered our questions kind of kind of went off on all that tangents there rbk but uh yeah really appreciate you being here uh on the show and i really want listeners uh to check out full mill rpg because season 2 and season 3 you guys had some incredible stuff the uh the politics and gaming episodes were out of this world um you know the uh the one about like if you should play police, for example, or how that should be kind of portrayed in your game, I think was was highly relevant. You guys did a great job. Um, and then politics of cyberpunk, politics of horror, uh, really really incredible stuff. Um, are there any other episodes uh, recently that you'd like to highlight from Full RPG that people can check out?
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciate. You know, we we're fans of each other's show, and I I really appreciate you saying the politics in gaming series. I think is one of our uh, most uh, well thought out and best series. So I definitely recommend those. Um, Politics in the West, like the Western is, is a genre that is very much ingrained in RPGs. It's been there since nearly the beginning. And that's a really interesting one, too. Um, we did have uh, one recent uh, last fall was uh, Playing in History. Like talking about actual historical games with some some great guests, so that's probably one I'd I'd say is maybe one of our highlights of the last few episodes. It won't take you much scrolling to get to. So, um, but yeah, we're I'm working on trying to come back. I I life got complicated and I had to kind of put Full Metal RPG on the shelf. But I've this week I've gotten super amped up and doing this show with you. We're, uh, I'm trying to aim for February to bring se- season four back. So don't call it a comeback.
0: No, it's not. I mean, you guys just uh, a little hiatus <laughs> taking a break. I, I don't blame you. I mean, there's been times where Darker Days just hasn't had an episode for four months. And, you know, that's uh, it's just what happens. Um, and when you've been, RBK, you've been podcasting for a long time. How long has it been? Like six years? Seven? Yeah
1: seven, seven years, probably with all the, with the show before that I was on before full metal RPG that I'm not even going to talk about cause it was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and those people are never going to listen to this, so it don't really matter. All right. Um, but, uh, I've, I've been doing this for a long time and, uh, I, I enjoy philosophical conversations. So that's why we've kind of turned in that direction and, uh, I really, I think uh, it's this, this genre, this lets us, of RPGs lets us talk about very interesting subjects in very different ways than you can in a normal talk show about Philip. You know, definitely topics. Definitely.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. So uh, people can find a link to Full Metal RPGs podcast in the show notes. Definitely check it out. It's great. And uh, if you want to check out more from Dark Days Radio, you can visit our link tree, LinkTree slash Dark Days Radio. Uh, or go to darker-days.org to, uh, you know, find out all of our uh, good stuff. So thanks, RBK. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I said this is going to be a half-hour-long thing, and it's been uh, an hour. So sorry for taking up so much of your uh, your Saturday <laughs> morning here. But, uh, you know, I think we said a lot of things that needed to be said.
1: Thanks for having me. And I really had a lot of fun being here. And I being on Full Metal RPG... I know what doing an hour and a half podcast when we were talk, going to talk for 45 minutes. So
0: <laughs> it's nope.
1: not nope. unusual.
0: <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. And to all the listeners out there, take it easy and have a good night. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com.